0: This morning, and I'll do it again now, I turn to the psalm that inspired that. It's called Luther's Psalm. It's the 46th Psalm. Here this man, who, uh, there was a price on his head. He was under the threat of death because he believed that men were saved by faith and faith alone. And uh, he was a very courageous man and uh, was strengthened by the Word of God, as we all are. And the 46th Psalm is a psalm that inspired a mighty fortress. It begins... God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. A mighty fortress is our God. And the Psalms are a prayer book of the Bible. And I have uh, preached from them many many times. And next to the Lord himself, David is my favorite personality in the Bible. There's more about him than any other person in the scripture, even Jesus, although the whole Bible is about him, but in the sense of data, material, information, we have more information, more historical information about David than we do anyone else in the scripture, plus the fact that we have the musings of his heart, the insight of his mind, the questions that he had. You know, he'd argue with God at times, he just couldn't understand things, and I feel comfortable I read the Psalms because David is feeling like I'm feeling and maybe questioning what I'm questioning and asking God's help in times uh, of trouble or stress or fear, whatever it it might be. So I love David. I know he was not a perfect man. Someone has said he's just like everybody else, only more so. Uh, He's better than the best of us at our best and maybe worse than the worst of us at our worst. But he was a man after God's own heart. And I stood here as we were saying that and I looked out on you and I thought, oh God, no one can get up and talk to all these people about you. I just, uh, I said, God, I really do want to be a person after your own heart because all of us are here today. You didn't come here to hear me. You didn't come here primarily to hear Marvin or hear anything. You really came here to hear a word from the Lord and I pray you will hear it. Pray you will hear it. I, I thought also as Marvin was singing about a passage of scripture in the 10th chapter of John, and Jesus is talking about uh, sheep and that we're his sheep. And we're going to talk about that from one of the Psalms in a moment, a psalm I've spoken on often. My favorite. I have a number of favorite Psalms, like you do, probably Martha's favorites, 139, it's one of my favorites. 91st Psalm is one of my favorites. But the 23rd Psalm or the Shepherd Psalm is what I want to speak on. But before, and you may want to turn to it, in the NIV, uh, although I'll read it from the King James because that's how I memorized it. And it's more a part of me that way. But I was thinking, as Marvin was saying, of this chapter in, in the 10th chapter of John. Uh, J- Jesus is saying, as the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. On my first visit to England in 1953, we went to Westminster Abbey, as I'm sure many of you have done. And as you enter the abbey, there is the tomb of the unknown soldier. And then a little further down, near the front door of a Westminster Abbey, uh, is the tomb of David Livingston, who died in Africa, fighting slavery, proclaiming the gospel. His heart, as you know, was buried in Africa. His two servants, he wanted his heart buried in Africa, but his body brought back and placed in a place of honor at Westminster and Westminster Abbey. And on his grave are these words, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And our guide told us a story that moved him deeply and it moves me deeply to even think about it, though many years have passed. He said shortly after the war, uh, when the war had ended and World War II had ended, he was leading a group through Westminster Abbey and he walked in with the group. And as he walked in, a large, uniformed black man in the Army of the United States, then not integrated, as you know, until later but this black soldier walked in carrying a single rose in his hand and he walked in and he knelt down at the grave of David Livingston. Placed the rose and walked out. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. White sheep, black sheep, all sheep precious in his sight. The psalm has been the greatest source of encouragement to me across all these years. I've quoted in times when I couldn't even feel like praying but would quote the psalm. And you know it. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Walk with me as we have done from time to time through the years. I don't know how many different books I've read on the 23rd Psalm. Dozens, more than dozens. And the insights I have received, I have received from books I have read, people I have visited with, sermons that I have heard, visits I have made to Bible lands. And so I don't know where it all comes from. It all comes from God and we give him the glory for it all. But it starts, that I love this psalm because it starts in such a positive way. Mine should not the proclamation of the gospel start in a positive way. He came to make a positive change in our lives and in our, in our world. He starts with the sound of a trumpet. Now David, David, as you know, David took care of sheep when he was a boy. And he understood them. And with his vivid imagination and his creative, sensitive spirit, he was able to crawl into the mind of a sheep, the thoughts of a sheep, the musings of a sheep. And in the 23rd Psalm, you don't have the shepherd speaking, you have the sheep talking. This is a little sheep. And we're all sheep, Jesus said. You're my sheep. And he crawls into our mind as David crawled into the mind of that little sheep. And he wrote these words. And this little sheep is standing there and he's looking at his shepherd and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. What a sound. What a positive word. He didn't say, oh Lord, be my shepherd. Although that's permissible and there's certain prayers that say that. It's a declaration. A proclamation. It starts with this Positive assertion the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord. Listen to this the Lord, not a Lord. He's not one among many. We worship in no pantheon, He is the Lord. He is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. He is the God of people. The Lord is the Lord, the one and only God. There are many roads to Jesus, but there's only one road to God and Jesus is that road. We may all come to Jesus from different avenues and different places and different questions and different experiences, but we converge in Him, for it is in Him that we have life and the fullness of life, and it is in Him and through Him that we have access to the Father. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Who is your shepherd? To whom do you look in difficult times? To whom do you look in times of fear? Defeat, whom do you look? I pray you can say with me, I look upon him, look look to me, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved, saith the Lord, look to him, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I know that's true of maybe all of you. I pray all of you in this great room today. The Lord is, I love that is, the Lord is present tense. He's with us right now. Sometimes we think God only did great things in the past and that he's kind of on hold out there and abdicated and waiting to come back someday down here in the future when everything will be okay again sometime in a a predicted future. No, listen, God is not only the God of the past, he and the God of the future, he is the God of the present tense and he wants to be the present tense in your life today and in mind, God is with us here now today. As much as he was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and the psalmist and all of the disciples, God is with us. He is a present tense savior. Not just great things in the past and marvelous promises in the future, but powerful spirit in the present. God is with us. The Lord is and he is my shepherd. I love that personal pronoun. Martin Luther said the strength of the Christian religion is in its personal pronouns. My shepherd, he is a shepherd, he is the shepherd, he is your shepherd, he is our shepherd, all of that's true, but he is my shepherd. Personal shepherd, my shepherd. The climactic testimony of the book of John in the 20th chapter of the book of John uh, when Jesus is in the, comes into the upper room where the disciples were and Thomas who had been absent the week before when he appeared to them and who had doubted, who said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I won't believe that he's risen from the dead until I can see the scars in his hands. And Jesus walked in and Thomas was there. And I don't like to call him David Thomas. I like to call him honest Thomas. He was just saying what he really felt, the questions he really had. I don't blame him. I would have probably said the same thing, but Jesus walked into the room and I believe he had a big smile on his face when he saw Thomas and he walked right over there to him and he said, here they are. Oh, scars. And you know what Thomas said? My Lord, my God. Have you ever said that to him? I just, he is the Lord, but he's my Lord. You can say that right now. And he'll become the shepherd of your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. And then here he tells what his shepherd does. I shall not want. He will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He doesn't promise to provide us all of our wants because a lot of times all of our wants are not, of our, are not our needs. But he promises to take care of our needs. He will provide all that we need through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. Green pastures. My, we busy, busy, frantic, frenetic people. How much you and I need some green pasture time occasionally. A little time every morning where you could just kind of go off into your own private green pasture and let your soul be refreshed by the presence of your shepherd. Busy, busy lives we live. We need some green, green pasture time. We need some still water time. Placid. Our souls need to be refreshed. Oh yes, we Baptists are very activist We get involved in a lot of activities and that's fine. And I think sometimes our activity is cut short because we haven't spent enough time in green pastures and still waters. Sitting Mary and stirring Martha both lived in the same house and they need to live in the same life. We need to have the contemplative and we need to have the active. What's the life of Jesus? What's that marvelous balance in his life? That withdrawal, that engagement, withdrawal and engagement, that time of retreat, that time of charge, back and forth, back and forth, constantly. If he needed reinforcement on the mountaintop with his father, how much more do we need Reinforcement. How much more do we need green pasture relationship? Still water time. I read Philip Keller's marvelous book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. I recommend it. I believe it's the best book on the 23rd Psalm that I have ever read. And in there he says, you know, sheep will not, sheep will not drink running water. If the water is bubbling and running, they, they're frightened. They're terrified of it probably because of instinct. They know that if they get into running water because of the profusion of wool on their backs, they could be swept away. And when it rains over there in that part of the world, sometimes the rain pours off of those, uh, those rocky hills and they pour down into what's called a wadi or a creek or a ravine. And sometimes the water can come rushing through there and the sheep are afraid to even get close to it. They're terrified of it because they're afraid it will engulf them. So you know what a shepherd does? A shepherd will go over there and pick up a bunch of rocks and there are a lot of rocks over there so he'll pick up a bunch of rocks and he'll build a little dam there and he'll kind of pocket off a little spot there about oh, three or four or five feet and with a little inlet over here where the water can come in and those little sheep can look up at him and they can look down and they can see that their shepherd has provided some still water time and then come up and drink let him provide a little pool of still water in your life so you can refresh your soul your shepherd will do that my shepherd will do that green pastures still waters he restoreth my soul that literally means he brings me back from wandering because sheep have a tendency to wander all of us have a tendency to wander I mean, it's an old hymn. I think it's an old Methodist hymn. I don't know where it originated. Prone to wander, Lord, I feed it. Come thou fount of every blessing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You ever felt that? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever felt that way? I've felt that way. Sometimes the lure of the green pasture over there is very appealing and maybe sometimes some of us have gone over there to find out that that, what appeared to be green pastures, was really astroturf. We found out that it was synthetic and that it was fake and it was false and it didn't feed our souls and we need to stay in the company of the shepherd and he wants to keep us in his company and that's why he keeps restoring us because we have a tendency to wander and he will restore our soul. He will renew our faith and he'll do that in your life today. I don't care how far you may have wandered, he will restore you and bring us back from wandering and there's, I don't know, I can't look into your own spiritual biography, but I doubt if there's a single person in this room or listening to these tapes around the world who hasn't been in one degree or another out there wandering away in some far country, maybe not as far as others, but you are here not because you brought yourself back, but because the shepherd found you and brought you back. I know not how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark the night the Lord passed through. I only know that through those deep waters And that dark night, the shepherd found his sheep. And we're here today because we've been found by the great shepherd of the flock. He leads me in good ways, leads me into paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, my soul, I was thinking as John Park was standing up here talking about the 20 years he's been here and thinking about the 40 years I've been here. My, How I thank God for these 40 years of fellowship here, walking together, working together, discussing together, discussing and debating together at times, but always wanting to follow the leadership of our great shepherd of the flock. I mean, he's, he's led us in good ways. And to God be the glory for everything that's happened and is happening. He leads us in good paths if we will let him. Leads us into paths of righteousness. Right paths, healthy paths, happy paths for righteousness. Then we come to what happens in life inevitably. We come to the valley. You can't have mountains without valleys. You can't get from the top of one mountain to another without going through a valley. And life has its valleys. We've all had them. Some deeper than others. Some more often than others. But I don't believe there's anyone that gets through life without some valley time. And I have, I have to bring up uh, a disagreement with some preachers I hear. I know they mean well. But they sometimes imply and sometimes more than imply that the reason you're having trouble or the reason you're going through sorrow, or the reason you uh, have failed in your life in one way or another, or, or the reason for, for difficulties in your life... Is because you either don't have enough faith or because you have some horrible sin in your life. And I don't believe that. I believe a lot of people doing the best they can, following the Lord, also end up in the valleys. And I want you to notice when you read the 23rd Psalm, those sheep didn't get into the valley on their own. The Holy Land Shepherd is the only shepherd in the world that leads his sheep. Write that down. The Holy Land Shepherd is the only shepherd in the world that leads his sheep. That's why the only real Savior in the world is the Savior who leads his sheep, and that was Jesus who said, follow me. He's not back behind us pushing us. He's out in front leading us, and he doesn't ask us to go anywhere. He's not already man. And he led them into the valley of the shadow of death. Why did he do it? Because of the climactic changes necessary in the in the Bible lands. Jerusalem, 2,400 feet above sea level. Jericho, 1,400 feet below sea level. 25 miles, precipitous plunge, and to get from the top, when like it snowed over there a few weeks ago, where were the sheep? They had to get those sheep down into those lower. To those lower lands where they could find some grass and graze, so they would go through periodically these valleys, these gorges, these wadis to get from the top when they could graze there in the spring and summer, or down in the valleys when they could graze there in the winter. So there was a—it's there. Valleys are there. We have to go through them, and the Lord leads us there. And listen to this: "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me." I must underline a couple of words. Yea, though I walk through the valley, God is going to bring you through. God has promised to bring his people through. He will work all things together ultimately for good to those who love him. And we're going to go through life and we're going to go through it as conquering kings because of our conquering king, Jesus Christ. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's going to take us through and he's going to take us through and we're going to go through some shadows. But there is no substance to a shadow, is there? There is no substance to a shadow and there can be no shadow until there's first a light and the light that's guiding us is the light that's in front of us and that's Jesus Christ (laughs) whom we follow. He's going to lead us through and I love this word because you are with me. John Wesley said, the best of all is, God is with us. God is with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. Have you noticed? I know you have. I've pointed out. You've pointed out. You've heard it a hundred times, but let me emphasize it again. I want to remind myself. Up until that point, the sheep has been talking about the shepherd, hasn't he? He's been describing the shepherd objectively. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to do this. He does this. Green pastures, still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Look at that. Look, he's describing him biographically. He does this and he does this and he does this and he does that. But when he gets into the valley of the shadow, when he's frightened and uncertain and insecure in the valley of the shadow, what does he do? Does he talk about his shepherd? No, he talks to his shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are, for thou art with me. Yes, you are with me. Not he is with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now I personally do not believe that we have moved into a dining room. I believe we're still out there in the fields with the sheep and the shepherd and they're grazing now on one of those little hills called a mesa, which means tabletop. That's what it's saying right here. He prepares at the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Those little tabletops offer wonderful places to graze sheep because the shepherd can get a better perspective of the potential enemies that are around them. So he will lead them up onto the top of this mesa, this tabletop. And he goes before his sheep. I pointed that out a moment ago. He's leading them and he's going along with the staff and he's watching for any vipers, poisonous snakes that kill without provocation. Unlike a rattlesnake, they give him a warning and he's watching for them. He also reaches down with the end of the staff and he pulls out of the ground, grass that is at certain seasons of the year poisonous. And if the sheep eat it at that time, it, they, can be, they can not only be sick, they can die. And so he goes and he kind of prepares the way in front of them with that staff and he clears the way and then he picks up that poisonous grass and he stacks it over here at the side. And so what's the shepherd saying here? What, what's David saying here? He's down there. He's down there. He, you, prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You've gone ahead of me and you've removed the poisonous grass. You've driven back the serpents. You prepared me. And as long as I stay in the grazing line of grace, I won't get over here into the poisonous grass. It's when I start wandering on my own, thinking I found a better way than His way, that I suddenly find myself sick in the spirit. We stay following Him. Thou preparest a table. Before me in the presence of mine enemies. In that great 91st Psalm, he says a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come nigh thee. You stay in the grazing line, God will protect you and bring you through the valley of the shadow of death all the way to, to the prepared tabletop and then to the banquet. Preparis the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. you anoint my head with oil. The shepherd does that Every morning. Puts a little oil on the head of the sheep. Why does he do that? To protect them. The sun is very hot. The, sun, the rays are very damaging. So that oil protects them. Not only does the oil protect them, but the oil heals any niches and scratches they get while they're grazing. Now, if you know anything at all about the Scripture, you know that oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And look, When that shepherd anoints the head of his sheep, that's what he's doing, putting the oil on them. The oil seals them and heals them. That's exactly what the scripture says the Holy Spirit does. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's the oil that God has placed upon our heads each day. And we are healed by him. He heals our spirits. He heals our broken hearts. He anoints our head with oil every morning. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I saw this in Cana of Galilee way back in the early fifties going from Nazareth down to Tiberias. And Cana uh, was right next to, to uh, Nazareth, a little community where Jesus performed his first miracle. And it was getting toward evening and the shepherd was bringing his sheep into the, into the sheepfold there. And they had a great big uh, we were on the bus and stopped and took some pictures. I had a had a great big tub there. I'd called it a tub. About that big round. About that big round was a wash tub. And it was full of water. And those sheep would nudge in there and they'd push each other out of the way. And they were all trying to get in there. And they were not getting in there just to get a drink of water. They were getting in there to push their face down into the water. To plunge their face all the way down to their eyes. They were doing what we do most of the time. We go to bed at night. What do we do? We wash our face. Well, those little sheep, that's what we are, Jesus said. He they, went, they refreshed themselves, then they went on in there and laid down and they'd go, to, they'd go to sleep. And I noticed something. When they plunged, all these sheep plunged their faces into that water, you know what happened to the water? It spilled over the cup. The bow. And you must remember the most precious item in all the world in Israel to this day is water. Wars are fought for a single well. And here is the shepherd willing to sacrifice the most precious item he has for the welfare of his sheep. What a God. For there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain. And on Calvary, the cup ran over. His blood fell onto the earth. God giving the best gift in all the universe for the welfare of each one of us. What a God. What a Redeemer. What a Savior. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My good friend who went to be with the Lord not many months ago, Angel Martinez, who has stood here and preached in this church on a number of occasions. Grew up here in San Antonio. If you don't know the story of Angel, uh, you've missed something. Shoeshine boy down on Houston Street invited to a vacation Bible school and became a preacher. And my, what a preacher he was. Memorized the entire New Testament. Memorized most of it in Greek. Preached in revivals. He spent all of his life as an evangelist. And he preached here. And he went to be with the Lord not long ago. But I believe it was Angel who said, the, the first to say, that the names of the Lord's two sheepdogs were goodness and mercy. And that's so nice. That's so good. And I agree with him. The Lord's out front. He's out front. He's leading the sheep. So who's bringing up the rear? Who's keeping them in line? Who's keeping them from grazing over there to the poisonous grass? Who's trying to keep them in the line of grace? Goodness and mercy. He doesn't say the Lord's two sheepdogs are judgment and condemnation. Not hellfire and brimstone, but goodness and mercy. Paul put it succinctly, it is the love of Christ that constrains us. It's the love of Christ, our leader, who will keep us in the grazing line of grace all the way to the Father's house. And we will be there forever and ever and ever. Amen. If you've never said, my Lord, my God, would we'll you say it this morning. If you have said that and yet not part of his sheepfold here, his little flock here, why don't you come be a part of, this, part of the crowd with us? We need you, and I believe you need us, and we all need each other. One sheep, one fold, one shepherd. The Lord's a shepherd, not this preacher, not any preacher. The Lord is the shepherd. But he wants us to all be one in him. And he wants us to be together in these little flocks here and a flock here and a flock there. And one of these days we'll all be together and we'll meet the great shepherd ourselves and what a day that will be. Don't wait. Today's the day, now's the time. He invites you to come. He'll restore you, renew you, guide you, love you, refresh you, forgive you, and carry you all the way home. Come on, let's stand and sing.